Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Batty Hazlett, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Agongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite to talk about Magenta's sequel to Just Cruise. But first, we have to talk about Thrasher's new installment, Lucky to be Alive. We've all seen some crazy slams, but this one was definitely on another level. Jason, what do you think of this type of content, and how do you think Thrasher handled this tough subject? First off, I uh, I hate watching any kind of slam session or injury footage. I just think it's bad vibes, putting bad energy out there. Secondly, I'm kind of down on this kind of content over everything. Uh, shout out Queens Flip from the Joe Budden podcast. You know, it seems kind of clickbaity. You know, somewhere between car chase videos and fight videos. You know, really taps into that that dark side of the human psyche. But, you know, given that, given the fact that they did it, I think they did a pretty good job. You know, Burnett's a pretty smart guy, you know, and I think they did a good job kind of portraying the mindset of a of a guy who likes to, to jump off roofs for fun. Not for money, just for the love of it, which is pretty cool. If that's what makes you feel alive, you know, jumping roof gaps, then uh, God bless them, you know. I found this to be terrifying for a number of reasons. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw the I saw the photos in Thrasher before I, I watched the video, and just reading about it was stomach curling. And for some context, so my father is a retired trauma surgeon. He worked for over thirty five years in New York City hospitals in the Bronx and Harlem. And something that he would do to kind of ward me and my brothers off from doing stupid things was occasionally let us have some have a look at some of the medical texts around like very extreme injuries, uh, more specifically around fireworks and firearms. And, you know, it really got me thinking, you know, when I read through, you know, his injuries, you know, he had broke his hip in three places, he broke his nose, his palm was broken, the doctors had to cut vents in his hand just to prevent it from swelling up. Definitely a pretty high grade concussion just from banging his head against that uh, metal vent, which probably actually saved his life as opposed to concrete, which doesn't have as much malleability and probably just upon impact, my goodness, I don't even want to think about it. I mean, if you really think about it, it is the absolute worst case scenario. It is, you know, it's terrifying enough when you are pushing down the street or you're about to go do something and you hit a rock and you go flying. You know, can you imagine this? And you watch the way that he's scrambling, trying to correct himself when he knows that he's, you know, he's pushing his feet get caught up and he knows he's going down. I mean, no wonder he blacked out. But I guess like the question for you all is, and I think Vent City kind of started to talk about this, how some of the younger skaters are off the, hucking themselves down big stairs, big gaps, and big handrails. Is there still a need for this type of skateboarding right now? Like do we need, like more power to the homeboy that he's skating huge roof gaps like this solo, or at least he was. But I imagine he'll probably never skate another roof gap again. What do y'all think? Yeah, I think that, like you said, low impact skateboarding. I did listen to that Vent City episode. I think you're referring to the most recent one where they're like, just people aren't hucking down as big of things anymore. But in terms of if there's a need, I think that the guy in this video kind of like said it himself. He's like, he just does this for him, which I think is really cool. And the same way that folks will go skate a slappy curb, like for themselves, he wants to go jump off of something to kind of like, feel what it is and be alive. And I think in that capacity, yeah, I think everyone should skate however they want to skate and they should do what they want to do. In terms of companies like supporting it and pushing it, I think it's maybe a different area. I think that it's very unique to some folks. And I don't always love the like glorification and glamorizing of people like hucking themselves and getting hurt. Like we used to see in skate videos of the past where by like Dustin Dolan type half of his like parts would just be hit him, him hitting his head. And yeah, it, it was, it was like a stick. Yeah, exactly. Like and I think like that type of skating, like we don't need to see that anymore, but like for this guy, like this is what he likes to do. And I can't fault him for that. I don't think that it's not a type of skating that I'm attracted to, but I was like weirdly into it in the way that it, he was still stoked on it, even though he had this horrible thing happen. And in that capacity, I think that it's totally cool and people should huck themselves off roofs forever. And there'll always be some people who are into it, but hopefully not 
in this capacity. I mean, we've seen falls of this magnitude, like Lizzie's fall on the mega ramp and Jake Brown. If you guys remember that, that, that one was years ago. That was like what 2008. Ooh, that was the bad. X Games. I was, I was like a little kid kind of in grade school at the time watching that live um, during the X games. And I remember my parents made me turn the TV off because they were just like, you're not watching this anymore. And it kind of took me back. I will say I did put my hand over the screen. I haven't actually seen the impact. I don't want to. It's just kind of like what Jason said. It's just bad vibes. Um, I watched the rest of it, obviously, but I just didn't feel the need to see this guy get hurt. But yeah, I think that it's still cool in its own capacity. And this guy rips. I mean, he's got an insane back three. Um, and maybe he can take those skill sets and do some other cool stuff and hopefully not fall off any roofs. Yeah, as, as far as the industry supporting this kind of thing goes, I mean, zero exists. Does zero still exist? I think they still exist in some form or fashion. Yep, they are alive and well. Besides that, Toy Machine, Toy Machine always seems to find those kids that like jumping down stuff. You know, America. I mean, I, I think this guy, Tony Willie, his best case scenario would be you know, getting on America and, you know, I guess the America toy machine program. But the thing that tripped me out was, you know, when Pine shout out, I mean, Jeff Dishes Air, shout out Pine, Jeff Dishes Air, aka Pine Slapboard legend, when they went to go tell his, his mom and his mom was like, this isn't what his mom sounds like. She was like, it's, it was the roof, wasn't it? It's almost like she was expecting it. And that reminded me kind of like when someone's an addict, and this is this is kind of dark, but when you know they have to go, you know, tell the parent that the addict, you know, passed or whatever, the parent like expects it because they know that you know that's how they were probably gonna go. And it's like as a parent, that kind of tripped me out. It's like, well, you kind of don't really have that much control over what your kids do, you know. Like if your kid wants to jump off roofs and that's really what they want to do, like kind of you know can't do anything about it. You just kind of have to let it be. I just can't imagine, I can't process the idea of somebody coming to me and telling me that a friend or a family member had been severely injured jumping off of a roof or jumping a roof gap. You know, I, I think like, I would think I would immediately go to the darkest place possible. This thing is like, oh, okay, like either he's going to be, you know, stuck with very serious injuries and maybe even be unresponsive and you have to make decisions about whether or not to take him off life support or they just died. You know, maybe they just died. That's terrifying. And on one hand, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I was a sort of person who enjoyed skating, big gaps, big rails, or even watching it. I used to love it so much. I mean, one of my favorite videos of all time, first video I ever got was Toy Machine Welcome to Hell, which then leads me to something, something else. There's not really a place for somebody, there's not really, there's not really a place for Homeboy in today's industry to be a superstar. But do you think he would have fit in on Zero back in the day? I'm talking like, peak zero or toy machine between welcome to hell jump off a building yeah maybe i mean i even i wasn't hip to him before this to be honest and i don't know if you guys were but from the clips that i saw that they uh kind of put through the thrasher piece i mean he definitely rips but i think he's very much like in this like one lane and i think even like we're like zero and the companies were kind of mentioning the guys were like they could both skate gaps and rails. And I don't know if this guy specifically has that. I didn't really see too much like things besides just, I'm going to jump off of something. So I think that there is a space for that and there's folks, but I think the the other guy on the, uh, in the program was actually another good example of it. Uh, Jeff, that's his name, right? Jeff. Yeah. Ditch, I don't know how to say his last name. Ditch Ditch is there, I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of the same way. Like, He's done the most insane things and he's had a really hard time finding his way into the industry as well. I thought it was interesting that they're like friends because they kind of skate very similarly. So I can see that connection, but he's like jumps off crazy stuff at, while doing, I don't know, quadruple kick flips or whatever he does. Um, the most insane flip tricks down humongous stair sets and has been doing it for years. And he had a hard time finding a spot in the industry. So I think although this is like really buck and really sick and, very just like technically impressive that he has the mental willpower to do it. I don't really think honestly, Patrick, that there's much space in the industry for kind of two things. One, it's not sustainable. Obviously he fell and got this incredible injury. And also it's not like relatable. Even the guys that huck, 
there's like an adjacency to it for people watching. Like the guy hits the 14 stair handrail. Well, maybe I can go hit the six stair handrail at my skate park. There's no like roof gap at the local park. There's no way of seeing you in him unless you're like this very specific type of skater. And I think that's why these folks kind of had a hard time adjusting into the industry. And we don't see too many people who all they do is jump off big things besides someone like Jaws. That's the only person I can think of um, who maybe has had success, who lives in this lane. Yeah, but Jaws, I think, is operating on a wholly different plane. I think yeah. him taking on the Lyon 25, which are absolutely bigger in person than they appear in any photograph, in a magazine, or on video. Just being willing to take that risk. Even if he grabbed, whatever, it's just like, I'd like to see any random person off the street go and hit that staircase. But, you know, back to, to Tony's injuries, you know, thinking about his long-term physical health and probably also mental health too, because, you know, I imagine that, you know, he's probably got some PTSD from waking up on a stretcher being pulled into a chopper and then waking up again in the emergency room. I think his broken hip is probably going to be the thing that is the that is going to cause him the most trouble in the long term. Even though he's young, dude is 31, this just happened this summer, it seems like he's on a good rehab program, but that's something that you cannot let up on. Hip surgery is one of the most common, but also the most complicated surgeries out there. And, you know, thinking about him, let's say he, let's imagine he lives a nice long life. He gets to, you know, his 60s or 70s. He's going to be in pain, unless there's some amazing advances in modern medicine, he'll probably have to have another hip replacement. And I think that's the thing that is really terrifying. Like, he was so willing to risk it for skating this roof roof gap. And, you know, now a hip injury is going to be the thing that makes things a lot harder for him to skate for a really, really long time. And he was doing some cool low-impact stuff at the park, you know, as they're showing him in recovery. But, you know, think about... Like, think about an injury you've had, like a, an older injury. It, it may be something relatively, like, in passing, whatever. Like, think about how much mental capacity and time that you have to take to prepare for yourself to skate and live around that injury. You know, whether it's wrapping your ankle or your knee, if it's stretching, if it's even if it's, like, going to the gym just to stay fit so that you don't end up hurting that thing again. That, you know, that can grind on you. Yeah, Patrick, it's... It's my understanding that when you have a hip surgery, they like cut out your hip and replace it with a titanium hip. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is for like a full hip replacement. Yeah, that's a. I think that happened to uh, Eddie Van Halen. Like, I know a couple of people that have had hip replacements, and it, yeah, a lot of pain. Like, really affects their mobility and stuff. But um, back to the industry thing. Yeah, the whole jumping down stuff. It's almost like pool skating in the '90s. Like when you would see a pool photo in Thrasher, you'd be like. Damn, people actually still do this. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. But, but the kid had some cool shit going on, like switch laser flip a roof gap. You know what I mean? Like if he did if he stuck to like roof gaps but still a little more low impact, more te- more technical, it might be kind of cool. It might have something going on. So you mean like the day one eye. the day one of roof gaps. That's what this that's what that's what Tony needs to do. Yeah, more like the day one size roof gaps. All right. See, because like that's seemingly more relatable and Nowhere nearly as death defying. You know, I got to wonder, you know, if you are skating big things, you're going to fall. Nobody has a perfect track record. So I wonder, if, has Daywan taken a spill like that? I know he's got a, a broken ankle from skating the, the mini ramp at the World Park from back in the day. But I haven't heard of him having anything serious falling off of a rooftop. Or do you just like, I mean, Maddie, for example, would you ever skate a roof gap? Actually, for both of you, would either of you ever skate a roof gap? No, no, I was, I was always low impact. I was low impact before low impact. <laughs> I the like most the, like the most scared most stairs i ever skated was like seven or something that was when i was like 16 or 17 yeah i actually used to skate a lot more of that side of things growing up because that's kind of what we saw in i like was skating in the i don't know 2005 2006 time was kind of when i was really getting started and yeah all i used to do was jump off stuff i didn't really skate ledges or mani pads, which is pretty much all I skate now until like six or seven years ago. Um, when I started working, that's honestly the big reason. I was like, oh, like if I break my ankle, which I unfortunately have as an adult, but 
in my head, I was like, if I break my ankle, I can't go on my photo shoots. I can't do my job. So I kind of shifted a little bit. Um, but yeah, I've skated roof caps. Um, obviously nothing to this capacity, but like one story tall with six to six feet, like uh, alleyways. I've skated those before and used to skate stairs and handrails and stuff, but nothing like that's if I fall, I'm going to die. I think that's kind of where that separation exists and that unrelatability factor falls in of just like, I wouldn't even look at that like a spot. I would like, he was there to skate something else. I would have just gone and skated something else. So I think that actually is kind of cool. This guy's like finding spots that even skateboarders would uh, not see, or maybe joke about, I don't know if you, you guys are out like with your friends and you're like, Oh, what if you skated this? Oh, what if you skated this? Like we do that all the time, but like kind of like a joke, like, Oh, like you could totally kickflip that. And it's like, like something insane, but he actually looks at that as like, Hey, maybe I could kickflip that. And I think that's kind of cool. Maybe if anything, he's actually taking like the huck side of skating and being innovative and finding new spots and almost like the cutty for hucking, but adding on that layer of being kind of scary. Um, One thing I did want to ask you guys is how Thrasher themselves actually handled this kind of like topic. I think that showcasing slams is kind of gnarly and all three of us are kind of in that space of like, it's kind of not in our area of something we want to watch. And like, I mean, I have friends, shout out Tom, my my friend here in DC who will go to the shop and put on a 35 minute rollerblade falling compilation and think it's the best thing ever. So people do like it, but I think that Thrasher did a nice job of not making this about the fall as much as about him and his recovery and who he was and his mindset. And Burnett did a really good job of making this more than just like a shock value. Here's the fall. Let's get some clicks. What do you guys think? Do you think that they, they handled it well? Is this something they should have even produced at all? Yeah, it's it's definitely not like a 17 minute uh, haul of meat segment which is kind of <laughs> what i thought it would be but yeah i think i think they did a pretty good job like i said getting into the mind of a you know a roof gap jumper and like like maddie said in the notes like just showcasing like the real world consequences of uh this kind of skating i think you nailed it real world consequences because i think thrasher could have gone a number of different ways with this you know they could have done haul and meet uh, they probably could have just had this as, say, something that was on their Instagram that then would end up going viral and end up on. I don't even know if World Star is still a thing anymore since Q died. RIP R- R- the homie. That was yeah, seriously <laughs> wild. But like, this is the kind of thing that would end up on World Star back in the day. It was just like this guy busting his ass on his skateboard. But I think yeah, World yeah, World Star. That's the kind of content I was thinking of. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, and a, so much of their stuff has been scrubbed. But hey, we could probably have a whole other conversation about the World Star slash skateboarding crossover. I think Thrasher handled it well, Maddie, like you said, because they got into the mentality of like, what is it like to talk to somebody who like, this is what they do. Like, it's one thing to hear like, oh, like to read, like when I read in the magazine, you know, the most recent issue of Thrasher about, oh, this guy skates roof gaps solo, the same way I might go skate flat or go skate a curb. He goes and skates a roof gap. Like he's scaling up there. He's getting up there like, like on some Spider-Man type missions. And, like, this is how he gets down. Like, this is how he warms up. I mean, props. I mean, props to him. Like, props to him for having that. But I think I'm going to pause for, like, a real quick second. Should we applaud his friend who was filming for keeping everything in, in frame and not panicking? There's got to be some sort yeah, of, like, so- yeah. that guy. And he was, like... It's the it was the younger kid, right? That's who was filming. Yeah, because I know they, were, they they talked to a couple of filmers, and when he popped up, I was like, "Oh, you're like a child," <laughs> and this is kind of traumatizing. And I think he even kind of said it himself. He was like, "Somehow I got everything in frame." Like I feel like if I saw that happen to my friend, I wouldn't even have filmed the fall, let alone everything else. And maybe he just went into this like weird like fight or flight instinct and kind of was defensive with the camera almost to like separate it because he didn't want to like accept what was happening. But yeah, shout out to him for sure. That was, that was kind of crazy that we had so much footage to even see from the slam. Yeah. It's almost like, I think one reason why this video is, you know, so compelling and, you know, bottom line, it's, it's an interesting story, right? And Thrasher is a skate journalism operation. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that they would, 
cover it. But anyway, it kind of it's kind of like the dark side of the Jeremy Ray water tower Ollie. Because like what makes that Ollie so compelling and like it just it gives you anxiety is that he could die. And it kind of shows like what happens when you know this kind of skating goes terribly terribly wrong. Fortunately, you know, I, I think he was really fortunate that he didn't, you know, that he came out uh with some injuries that are able to be recovered from. But yeah, it's it's crazy. It's like it's like that dark side of your brain that like kind of makes you want to like jump jump off a building like when you go to the top of the empire state building you're like oh it's uh wonder what it feels like you know what i mean pretty dark but yeah very dark but you know back to the original point yeah i think i'm not i'm not sure where thrasher could go with this because is it i'm lucky to be alive just from um an accident while skateboarding because there's also like a lot of uh, adjacent stuff that's happened in skateboarding that people could talk about but i don't know i i, I don't know I don't know how comfortable people would be sharing some of those stories. Like, you know, epically later, just filled with stories of, of addiction and how dark it gets and injuries and mishaps that have happened to people. I don't know. Like, I think in that space, you have to tread very, 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 very carefully and make it a point not to sensationalize it because then otherwise, I don't know, I think it, 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 loses, it, it loses its... There's a real potential for, for impactful journalism here. But it's like a fine line between that and just becoming like some hollow meat stuff for World Star. Oh wait, are, are you talking about having this be an uh, like an ongoing segment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your feature? Yeah, yeah, that would be crazy. I mean, in terms of like skate adjacent stuff, like I don't think they would do like oh I uh, OD'd or something. Yeah, yeah. Came back like, to life or like yeah, cra- or like uh, I crashed my car. Co- you know. I mean, because those stories that are those stories crazy. are there. Those those stories are there. Those I stories mean. are there. Yeah, it's more like uh, yeah, that's not. It's more like an epic later kind of thing. If I mean, shout out Patrick Rodell. I don't I don't think he does it anymore. But um, yeah, Thrasher's more like the skate action kind of shit, not like the uh, dark side. Yeah, because I that. I was just thinking. I I saw. I was looking through um like ancient issue of Thrasher with an old real ad in which um it you know, shows the dates of the tour that the whole team was on and how it ends rather abruptly uh, because uh, Sean Mandoli fell asleep at the wheel and flipped the van. And that was, like, not the only time that that happened. And it was, like, a recurring thing in the 90s. You'd often have, you know, folks who were way too young to be driving long hours, uh, driving an entire van full of people who are about the same age, maybe not much older than them, doing overnight drives from demo to demo and just, like, just horror stories. I mean, shit, like, Thrasher did something about, like, a... The shit, Nuge almost died. You have y'all, y'all have heard that story, right? No, can't say that I have. Oh my goodness! So I can't remember um, what company was sponsoring the tour, but it was the Nuge and a whole bunch of people. They were driving through South Africa, and they were in a very, very, very hilly part of the country. And the brakes went out in this van that they were in, and Nuge had the, the foresight, like just like probably just went into action mode and grabbed the wheel and threw it into the opposite direction because they were going to go off a cliff. Spun the wheel the other way and basically slammed the uh the van into crashed the van into a house nobody was hurt the van didn't go down the hills like basically like if they if they had kept going at the speed that they were going and on the road that they were on they would have died and i don't know maybe this is why like cool stuff happens to news because i mean shit like yeah i, I mean there there's there's a million there's a million van stories and things like that but i don't know like you said jason like that might not be the best thrasher might not be the best place for it and also there, there might not be any there there you know, there might not be yeah, much of a story. Yeah, there might not be that much stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a few van stories like that. Like when, uh, when, like when the real van, I don't know if it was a real van or if it was like the th- a thrasher trip to Australia. Like they crashed their van and like with Phelps, you know, rest in peace and that's booze and stuff. I don't know. But yeah, oh, yeah. there might, yeah. There might not the- be that much stuff to mine there. Jumping off roofs make me feel alive. You should try skydiving. <laughs> right? <laughs> never. I never got skydiving. Like my like one of my coworkers did it, but I don't know. I guess it's cool. Like it feels like you're flying or something. But I never had the urge to go do it, or even thought it would be fun. I don't know. No, me neither. I mean, I like. I get it. Like I like roller coasters and things like that. But that's like controlled adrenaline whereas like skydiving and jumping off roofs is uncontrolled adrenaline which i don't see the appeal but oh oh, oh. i got one last question to close it out a roof gap like a doable roof gap or golf street in san francisco that's the hill that 
Sean Young bombed in the rain, allegedly while on acid. You have to pick one. You hill bombing or you doing a roof gap? Uh, a bomb, bomb the hill. It sounds fun. In the not in the rain though, right? Not, not in the rain. Not in the rain. No, no, no. Nice weather. Oh, yeah, nice, nice weather. Yeah, yeah. I bomb it, Maddie. <laughs> oh, roof cap for sure. Oh. Yeah, I feel way more comfortable ollieing something because I like I can control that. I feel like sometimes hill bombs are like you're just kind of rolling the dice. It's like I might get speed wobbles or I might hit a rock or whatever. Whereas as long as it's something I could realistically ollie, yeah, I would do the roof gap for sure. Hill bombs are scary. They're sick though. I'm going for the hill bomb. The, the idea of falling like this dude did, like I, I cannot think about a roof gap ever again. With Jeremy Ray, you knew he was going to clear that. You knew Jeremy Ray was going to do that. Come on, man. Yeah, okay, Jeremy Ray was so like he was so like nonchalant about it. He was like, "Well, you know, if I can run and jump over it, I can ollie it." And then like he just you know, he, he was uh I don't know. That guy, I don't know. I think he doesn't get get the credit that he should in in the history of skateboarding for being as sick as he was. No, he does not. He does not. And I think it was I I blame Element. I blame Element for a <laughs> lot of things, but I think it was it was Element and also just like him not being on like a dang like Nike, like, come on, Adidas. Why did y'all hook up Jeremy Ray, man? That guy was—he was a bad man. He, that he, his part in secondhand smoke still holds up. But anyway, I, I digress. Yeah, I would go for the hill bomb over skating a roof gap any day of the week. I love that. So, going in a completely different direction, Magenta's Just Cruise Two showcased some quick feet skating through the cuddy of France. Patrick, how did the sequel hold up for you to the original? Well, as the mostly skateboarding resident Francophile, I have to say, number one, it holds up. And number two, I think that the skate landscape has really opened up to the type of skating that's in the Magenta video. So it's filmed all over the place, really. Uh, but for those with a keen eye, a lot of footage from Marseille, like a lot of the hill bombing that you'll see in there, quite a bit of stuff in Bordeaux and in Paris. This is not even a hot take, but the best skate cities in France are, it's not Paris, it's I would say either Marseille or Bordeaux. Bordeaux, I think you got to give a lot of credit to the Magenta crew, plus all the Parisian skaters who ended up moving to Bordeaux over the last few years due to rising costs of rent. Bordeaux is a sick city. You're not too far from uh, Basque country on the French and the Spanish side of the border. The weather is really nice. gets kind of humid in the summer. And because of the efforts of skaters like Leo Valls, who's in this video a little bit with his kid, you can skate city center again between certain hours. But, you know, for years it was really illegal to skate in Bordeaux. And more particularly, um, you see it, it's, you know, interspersed throughout the video, them skating pedestrian walkway with really smooth, smooth tiled ground. That's, you know, centre-ville, that, that's the center of Bordeaux. And at nighttime when all the stores are closed and it's all, cl you know, everything is closed up for the night, it's so much fun. Like, what a city. There was something in here that actually stood out to me as being somewhat death-defying, um, although not in the same way as uh, as the homie Tom, or excuse me, Tony. It was when the film was following Jamil Douglas, opening part, and Jamil Ollie's over a chain, you know, like a, a chain divider going into the street, and the filmer does the exact same thing. Like, oh, I didn't notice that. That's yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You think, can you imagine? It's just like, what happened to the VX dog? I tried to Ollie a chain while I was filming a line. I loved it. Like this is like this is the kind of video that you can throw on before going skating. You can throw it on at the shop and people will be intrigued by it. And I really enjoyed the 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 soundtrack as well. But also, yo, Magenta has the best pants. I saw Soy Panda like skating around um in the Marais in Paris this summer. Dog. You know, it like it was like it gave me those kind of feels like when you see some like back in the day you see somebody on like some like, Carl Kanai had really good jeans that a few skaters I knew rocked. The same thing with Wu Wear. Like, the bagginess, the combination of the bagginess plus the taper and the cut and the material. Like, he's just a cool dude. Oh, yeah, by the way, I don't know how that dude is, you know, soy. I don't know how he is skating in just vans. Because apparently he has, like, no ankles. Like, he his, his ankles are destroyed. And it's actually can be quite painful. For, but even see him skating around, just pushing down the street. He's just wearing some chill vans, some canvas vans. Um, also, fun fact, shout out to the homie Pablo uh, from Paris who put me onto some real knowledge. Soy's first job in the skateboard industry was with East Coast Urethane, which is Capital Skateboards and Nicotine Wheels, RIP. So 
Well, this is that a, must have been like 25, six years ago. Very long time ago. And there used to be a work visa that made it very easy for people who are, uh, are from countries that have a visa-free travel agreement with the United States to come here and work as seasonal workers. So he was uh, a stagiaire in French, uh, you know, basically an intern with them. And yeah, that, that's his, that was his first industry job. And I don't know, considering the fact that uh, this is a, a very DMV um, crew, it's a DMV right podcast. It's a let's DMV just, podcast, basically. <laughs> basically, like, where's the mumbo sauce? Turn on the go-go. Turn it up loud. We're cranking it. Um, that's just so cool I, because I actually recently just sold uh, a nicotine skate bag to a friend of mine a few months ago. Anyway, like, Jason, Maddie, what do you think about this? And then also, where does Magenta sit in the skate landscape right now? Well, listen, this is, this is the first Magenta video that I've ever watched because I always thought they were goofy. You know, they always did shit like power slide as a single trick, all that like Mark Gonzalez shit, like nose blunt slide on the ground with no ledge. And uh, lo and behold, both those things were in this video. But, you know, even though it's not my usual Eurotech wheelhouse, there's still some cool shit in here. Like you mentioned Jamil Douglas. Yeah, that guy's part was really dope. Like he should probably be on a better company or at least like be on a, a shoe sponsor or have a solid shoe sponsor i thought that part was really dope i thought the filming like the vx filming was really cool looking don't you see that shit that much anymore these days and yeah the music was really tight i actually shazammed a few things and i'll probably go back and shazam a few more because it was that kind of like 70s like jazz like that's magenta's whole like vibe like oh we're we're free form we're like a, a free jazz skate company so that kind of went well with that and Ben Gore, I think he used to be on stereo. Like he does that like skating down the street type shit really good, I thought. So yeah, th so th those were a couple of standout parts for me, even though this really isn't my wheelhouse. And it is kind of funny that they still do the magenta shit. That's kind of like a cliche kind of at this point. It's a trademark. Yeah, a trademark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think Jamil is like the standout guy to me. Um, I thought it was cool they opened with him. I just his style's good. His tricks are good. He does shove front crooks are like the coolest trick ever. And I feel like I like watched his part a couple of times and I was like, dang, I just want to skate like him. Like I want to dress like him. I want to skate like him. He's really cool. And I kind of, to what Jason said, I kind of had the same idea where I was like, why is he on magenta? But he did a couple of those like weird magenta tricks. So maybe it, it makes a little bit of sense, but he definitely brings a lot of cred to the company. So I think they should hold on to him for as much as they can because he's he's really cool. But same with the Shigo Zama, I think is how you say his name. He was sick. He has that really crazy, super long back nose grind after the uh, sidewalk to sidewalk gap. I liked his skating a lot. The VX footage is really good, which is to be expected. I feel like all of the Magenta videos have really, really good filming. And I think that is kind of like maybe partially their saving grace. I was watching it like as in the middle section when it kind of got to like the each person just has one clip and I started my brain started wandering a little and I was like I wonder what this video would have looked like if it was filmed like Strobeck style how like a lot of skate videos are filmed now and I was like it would look kind of silly it would be like these weird little spin around power slidey <laughs> tricks like feet or like face feet face like it would just be very like unorthodox but the way that it's filmed i think is really cool and i don't know if you guys noticed this and maybe it has something to do with like the pal vx but the frame rate was kind of strange like it almost felt like some parts were sped up and some parts weren't did you guys notice this yep. do you know like any of the tech that goes behind that i do not i am not a photographer or a videographer but i watched it on uh, on regular tv as opposed to on my laptop or on my phone so yeah it was very very it's like it's super noticeable in hd and to answer your question to answer your question about what would this look like strobeck style strobeck style right now is really reminding me of roman gravas who is i think he's a greco-french director i think his i want to say his dad was, is or was Costa Gravas, the director. Anyway, uh, he did the video for Born Free by MIA. He did the video for Stress by the French group Justice. You know, that kind of, there's something anxiety-inducing about Strobeck's filming. Same thing with uh, Roman Gravas. And 
I, that would not work for this kind of free form and very fun skating. And to update like where else it was filmed, um, it's not just Paris, Bordeaux, Marseille. It's like this Toulouse and Strasbourg stuff in there. And of course, like Lyon, which, by the way, it's so interesting. Um, quick digression that Lyon as a skate city was so huge when the flip team was filming there a lot. Baker folks were filming there a lot. But also that was happening concurrently with when uh, Olympic Lyonnais the the uh, the soccer team was doing exceptionally well and dominating in, in in French football. Now not so much. But anyway, besides the point, like quick digression. But yeah, it, it is. I guess I I wonder too. Like, is there going to come a point where owning and maintaining a VX is going to be similar to you know the Palace crew? You know, we talked about this ages ago. You know, the amount of work that goes into maintaining beta cams and old VHS camcorders. Like, it, at some point, is it just going to become a total pain in the ass? for everybody involved. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, no, from knowing like local folks who still film with the VX, I mean, I think everyone has issues with them. They're getting old. It's harder to do, but I am glad that people still do. And I think this video is a testament to that. Even if this was filmed fish, but HD, I still don't think it would translate as well. And I think a lot of that is not just the visual, but also the audio. This is some of the best skate audio that I've heard in a skate video in a long time. And I think that is kind of what they're trying to do. It looks like a lot of the spots, even the tricks they're choosing at the spots, it's all about like texture and kind of the sound it's going to make almost as much as how it's going to look. And I think that's really cool. And I think that it seems as though this is just a speculation, but maybe the filmer and the skater has a lot of synergy and like conversation going in. It's not just like, oh, I want to do this trick at this spot because this is the hardest thing I can do here. It's like, well, if you did this, it's going to look cool and it's going to sound cool and it's going to come together. And it almost gave me um, like a new appreciation of this style of skating because kind of going in, I was also just like, oh, another magenta video, like, we're going to see people do like one footed manuals and weird stuff. <laughs> like, but a, I like, don't a, know. like a crail slide 360 power slide. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I actually had a lot of fun. I think I was pleasantly surprised that I sat and watched a 47 minute long magenta video in one sitting and was like, this was fun. And I think that most of that was that newfound appreciation for maybe the direction that they're trying to go in with, uh, a more all-encompassing audio video experience than just like these dudes do skateboard tricks and it's cool and I think that was really nice one kind of segue we can take from that was the tricks themselves and to me I feel as though they were a little sus there was some illegal <laughs> tricks in there um I don't know if you guys <laughs> noticed but there was a couple touches on manuals one yep. guy even like he like groaned halfway through the clip and then just kept skating. And I was like, that was weird. I think it was like a Manny to uh, like, not like nose wall ride thing and not trying to be like the, the police of skateboarding. But do you guys think that there was these quote unquote illegal tricks? And do you think that's something that still exists or are we moving past that? And everyone can just skate however they want. And we aren't as harsh as a skate community on this type of skateboarding. Magenta definitely has a a following. Like I know a couple of dudes who are, you know, uh, into this type of shit, and they must have a following because there's freaking forty six people on the team. So they must be doing something, right? You know what I mean? I think it's worth that many people. Yep, they are. But got- uh, but I, yeah, I don't think there's really illegal tricks anymore. I mean, there's people like me who are like tech formalists who are like, you know, this is ridiculous. But you know, that's just my opinion. But yeah, I don't think I think we've kind of moved past Ill- illegal tricks unless you're of a certain mindset. Exactly. I think um, to paraphrase, I can't remember the character he was playing, but this is um, Uncle Junior from The Sopranos in the movie Gotti, the HBO movie with Armando Sante from the 1990s, which is so sick. And the whole joint is on YouTube. Watch it. Top five mob movies of all time. Paraphrasing him, you know, this thing of ours, we live and die bar- by our rules, right? And Maddie, I think you were correct to um, to throw a flag on the play for certain tricks in there. But you know, very similar to how blue notes make the human voice sound that much more endearing to us when we hear someone singing, hitting something that's not quite a wrong note, but threatening to be, or when you know, like a, uh, you know, being able to play through uh, something a note that's not in scale. That's something 
there's something about that. And then also, I mean, y'all have filmed, so you understand, like, sometimes the one where you touched end up looking the best. And so you end up keeping it just because I don't want to go back or the filmer doesn't want to go back. Uh, insert excuse here. But yeah, the, the, the other thing is, you know, thinking about, um, you know, city center in Bordeaux, I think credit where credit's due, that shit is hard to skate because it is slippery. And when it's hot and when it's dry, you know, you get kind of that very thin film of dust. You know, anybody who skated Stoner Skate Park in L.A. knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's just like you could go flying. So when you're doing those ridiculous power slides or all kinds of like weird like power slide and then, you know, late shove it or late big spin, whatever. Yo, like, you know, you're taking your life into your own hands. Like that is uh, that that is it, it, it can be for real, for real scary. So I, I don't want to be too dismissive of some of the tricks that are going down. But, you know, I, I think the other thing is that it's stood, you know, the first, you know, Just Cruise and the current one stood in such sharp contrast to, you know, because 2018, I mean, that was uh, the year Taishan won Skater of the Year. So, you know, there was, you know, the idea of, you know, it wasn't like a restrictive type of skating or, you know, like we're going to put in all this time to make a video that takes years to make. It wasn't, that wasn't necessarily what was going on, but you were definitely getting like the sense of competition and, and a sense of like, we got to go hard in the paint. And I think there was, there was something freeing about this video. Uh, about the first Just Cruise and Just Cruise 2, I think, continues upon that. And also one of the reasons why I think Magenta also has like uh, such a big, you know, such a big team and big following is because it seems like uh, they, they have a really good relationship with some folks in, in Japan, but then also Brazil, which are arguably two of the coolest places in skateboarding. And if skateboarding decided to move to either of those countries, I think, you know, we might all be better for it. That being said, I think maybe the only other question I'd have for y'all is, is there or are there American cities where you could figure you could do an American version of Just Cruise? No cars, no nothing. Just like posting up and like just going and attacking the city, wilding out. Actually, you know what? Oddly enough, Durham, like Raleigh Durham has a cent- – what do you call that thing? Like the pedestrian walkway going through yeah, the city? Yeah, p- pedestrianized it has downtown. An, it, yeah, it has an area like that. It's not as like slick or – or uh, picturesque or whatever, but you could probably do some shit like that in that area. I can't remember if it's Raleigh or Durham, but one of those places, one of those towns has a similar type of thing. But yeah, there's definitely some good uh, spot porn in this video, like a fucking like brick bank with a channel. Like, where do you see that? You know? Oh, yeah, definitely some good Euro spot porn in this one. Yeah, I don't know. I think the U.S. is kind of plagued with cars unfortunately so no no places are really coming to mind that would feel the same because i think that also something that's so nice about the architecture that we're seeing in this video is like everything almost feels cramped because the roads and pathways are so much closer together and i feel like that kind of helps add to the like fast pace things are kind of flying by you're going through people you're going through different cutaways and I don't really think we have that same style of architecture here and I think that maybe that space has actually fostered this style of skating instead of this style of skating just works well in that space and that's why we're seeing one thing that I noticed which is this team is essentially just like one type of skater and we saw like 60 of them and it was really interesting that probably what's occurring is this environment of these small pedestrian filled spaces are creating these fast feet kind of tech weird slidey skaters just because they're they're um responding to their environment and i think that's really cool and although maybe not working to the benefit of magenta as a company because i was like you guys need a different type of skater i think that jameel was the closest person they had to bringing some diversity in terms of skate styles into their team but interesting to think about, nonetheless, that maybe this environment is actually the culprit. I didn't even think about that until you brought it up, Patrick. So that's actually kind of nice. I think we need to find somebody or somebody's to cut a check and send us to France to do some investigative reporting. We're going to test all the food and we're going to skate all the spots and see, you know, is this going to come out in us as well? I, I think also, too, like it seems so much more leisurely, too. I think, you know, the fact that they are in a place where leisure time is valued, vacation is valued, and that it's very easy to get around. Like, that that's the thats the other thing. It's very easy to skate around and get around a lot of these cities. I think Paris, under the current mayor and Hidalgo, has done an incredible amount of work 
pedestrianizing parts of the city, making more bike lanes, focusing on pedestrian safety and also reducing automobile pollution because Paris sits on the European plane, which goes from the north of France all the way to the mountains in, uh, in Russia. I think I want to say it's the Volga Mountains. All of that is flat. And so Paris has really struggled with pollution, very similar to like, say, like a Mexico City, although Mexico City is, you know, very high in elevation, but it sits on a plateau. So, you know, the exhaust just sits, therefore you have smog. And so I think, you know, maybe another thing is that for American cities that are looking to pedestrianize or, or, or to diversify their infrastructure for other types of transport, you know, hey, you might like kick off a magenta, you know, revolution in, I don't know, St. Louis or someplace like that. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned this time and time again in this podcast, but, you know, Europe as opposed to this country, of course, you know, values public space and values people using public space for something other than, you know, um, buying shit and like buying shit. Like, for example, right here, here right here in uh, Richmond, there's this kind of weird like mixed use like mixed retail slash residence area it's almost like they built a fake city and it's really weird like of course you can't skate there but i mean if you try to you probably get kicked out because they have a security team and everything like it's just bizarre it's like they tried to build a fake like main street usa or whatever and yeah i mean like the only reason to be there you know as per the people that made it is uh you know, to buy shit and just, you know, pay rent on your condo or whatever, pay the mortgage on your condo. Yeah, to work and consume. Yeah, you know, yeah. you just you just reminded me too, like, you know, something, uh, a comment that often co- come up about a lot of major European cities is the this concept of no-go areas. Um, in France, you know, these are in areas like um, Evry, which is where I used to live, you know, they're ring suburbs, suburbs that were built after the Second World War that demographically have a lot more folks from the former colonies or actually now at this point, their grandchildren, you know, because, you know, people were coming over in big numbers uh, to work and to rebuild the country after the Second World War. And, you know, I always think about that phrase, no go, like no go zones. And I think it's like, think about any American suburb where people will, like, no, I distinctly remember driving around in North Jersey uh, looking for a gas station and getting pulled over. And the guy was wondering, was like, what are you doing here? You know, that's that that is a no go zone as opposed to it's like, oh, what? There's black and brown people who live in apartments or hanging out. Just like use your head. Use your head. Anyway, is that I, like uh, is that like the area where uh, Lain took place? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. They, shout, oh, yeah. Yeah. Shout out, shout, shout out to the homie Saeed, who I met earlier this summer. He's the man. Also, Uber, who is a playwright and does teaching. Um, he does, uh, you know, creative writing and teach, uh, teaches uh, young people. And he's a super super nice guy. I just got to meet. Uh, I just got to meet the uh, the other homeboy, uh, Vince. So Vince, hit me up, yo. Let's hang out. <laughs> but anyway, like besides the point, like it's like you're right. Like public space is valuable. Like you know, we all got to skate at Pulaski, and it's so funny that you know the district is thinking about turning that down. I was like, why? There's a community here. People use this space. Like they skate here. You know, there's those salsa dancing nights that often are there. Like, it's useful. It's this could be a whole other conversation, and I'm sure there's a lot of skate urban planners who are just like would love to dive in on something like that. Yeah, ironically enough, for what I've heard, the tearing down of the plaza is in order to put a pedestrian walkway on Pennsylvania Avenue. So I think maybe they're a little backwards in accomplishing that. But yeah, we could go down the road of fighting homelessness in the wrong way and things like that. It's what I think a lot of cities are doing. But back to the Magenta video, one thing I wanted to bring up, I don't know if you guys saw this, but you could actually buy a physical copy of this video just like on their website and it's only like eight euros. And I thought that was really cool. And while I was watching it, I kind of felt like I was watching like a really, really well done homie video. And then the fact that you could buy like a DVD of it for eight bucks, really nice touch on something that they obviously spent a lot of time with and made it feel like it is an actual full length. And I just thought it was worth noting that they took the time and actually made some physical leases. So if you guys want to go buy it, I think you can just get it on the Magenta website. Yes, you can. Yeah, I, uh, I actually still have a cathode ray tube television set expressly for watching VX DVDs. 
Oh, you just reminded yeah, me. Mine. mine is uh, mine from college mine. is still at my parents, and I think it still works. Um, and by the way, the exchange rate uh, today on Thursday, October the fifth, um, eight euros is about eight dollars and forty four cents, which is pretty sick. So for those of you who collect stuff and buy records, uh, might want to buy some things. That's a pretty awesome exchange rate. Last thing I kind of wanted to to talk to you guys about was actually the last skater that was shown his name was Ruben Spelta who I'd never heard of before did you guys have any thoughts on him I thought he was kind of a strange choice to have as the last part and to end the video on like a primo slide to background trick thing it was just like maybe I was just overwhelmed by the weirdness but it kind of stood out even more than the rest of it and I don't know I couldn't come to like a real conclusion to why he was the one that ended i feel like sergio would have like made a lot more sense but did you guys notice this did this feel weird to you was yeah it seemed, like random seemed kind of random i mean that guy was pretty good he had kind of like like a young rudy johnson energy but yeah some of the shit in there is pretty out there like like backside lip side to drop down backside lip side like four times yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to think he was Yeah, which, which is no, nah, but like, yeah, kind of like not quite there. But yeah, I mean, but that's on brand for Magenta, though. So, like, what are you going to do? True. It does make sense. But I was just like, this is weird. Like, he's good. And I think he fit the rest of the video. But to have last part over Sergio and Jamil. Yeah. Felt weird. I, th- I think Jamil was a good first part. That's, that, I think that was a good way to start. Maybe like, I don't know, Vivian. Mm-hmm. a better like a more trad pick for last part but hey what are you gonna do with magenta i don't know i feel like for videos it's either gonna be you either gotta have a head scratcher ending like this one or you gotta have somebody who's just coming through with straight up hammers or is just like the far and away best part and right. if you're talking about like you know a closer someone's gonna just like hold it down for last part tyshawn tyshawn is tyshawn is, is one of those people tyshawn last part it doesn't matter doesn't matter the status of the rest of the video that man can close. He's like, uh, yeah, he's like the quarterback. He's, he's like, <laughs> like, uh, like Ronnie Krieger in twenty, in twenty shots. Shout out Clyde Singleton. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Just like the like the one who can who can absolutely deliver. But I kind of like the idea of a head scratcher part two, and I also like the fact that this video was teased out over time because you know it, it, it built some hype. I mean, very similar to the uh, the lens three joint. Like it wasn't immediate. You could buy the video, but it, it only recently popped up online and. You know, it's a long video, but you know what? Like, I'm I'm excited to watch it in full. In fact, I'm probably going to do that this weekend. I'm like I'm like a third of the way through. Oof, I got to take it in like half hour chunks, like when I watch a movie. Yeah, I feel that. But you know what? That, that's worth that to me. That's really worthwhile. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I liked all I liked all the sweater vests. Oh hell yeah, yeah. Yo. The vests were pretty fire. Like Patrick said, really good pants. Good, yeah, good outfits. You can tell they care. Yeah, like what? What do you call those pants? Surf pants or pajama pants? You know what I'm talking about, right? Th- th- those like cloth pants that they all wear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Those are cool. Yeah, those are surf pants. I know Polar makes the surf pants, but of a much, much thinner material, which uh, I have a beef with because um, I have some black ones and I never dried them in the dryer. I always air dried them, and they've started to fade. I'll probably just have to re dye them black. But like, Son Pont- of a- like Pontus, come on, yo. Come on, man. How are you going to do me like this? But, you know, the the vests were fire, though. Yeah, they were. Cool. Well, I think this takes us to the part of the show where we talk about what we're stoked on for this week. Patrick, what were you stoked on for this week? Uh, I am stoked on Spitfire Wheels because I just set up a a fresh one. I'm looking forward to the holiday weekend. Very stoked on the fact that Paris got hammered by Newcastle. Shout out to the Magpies. Shout out to all of my Jordies. Uh, the Bob Shirt, Mike Carroll, Rick Howard interview, which if you are a 90s skater or you're just a fan of skate culture and skate history, set aside some time, watch that. This past week, um, I had not only my five-year wedding anniversary, but also my nine years of living in LA anniversary, which is really, really nice, um, even though we're having a heat wave. Been loving the footage coming out from the homie Nico at a honey skate shop in Aix-en-Provence in the south of France. Shout out to Nico. And um, lastly, Staple Singers covering Talking Heads as Slippery People, which is got me in a, a funky, 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 funky kind of way. Uh, Jason, how are you feeling? 
What are you stoked on this week? Stoked on venture trucks out of San Francisco, California. Stoked on a recent interview on the Howard Stern show with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That was pretty tight. Stoked on a new new-ish Instagram account called The Yard at Chaffs, which is dedicated to media from Chaffee High School, legendary Inland Empire skate spot. And uh, stoked on a little video out of Brazil, the Ooze Shoes video, Autodidatas. Uh, Ooze shoes, formerly known as Vibe shoes, and yeah, just your usual, you know, Brazil tech type shit. Uh, Carlos Iki, still a beast. Not on Nike anymore, but still, yeah, d- definitely a beast at the tech shit. Um, Maddie, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on the WNBA expansion. They announced today that the league just got their 13th team in the Bay Area. And we can only assume that there will be another one because I think it would be weird to have an odd number. So weren't they, doing, weren't they doing Portland too? I thought I saw on Twitter they were doing Portland too. Oh, was that? I didn't see that. All I saw was the Maybe, Golden State sure. announcement. Portland would be cool. I was hoping for Philly because I feel like that city is such a basketball city, and the fact oh, that sure. they don't have a team is crazy. But Portland would also be sick. And I'm also very, very stoked on welcoming a new member of our family. We found a kitten near a dumpster at the grocery store over last weekend and we could tell she definitely didn't live outside so we took her to the shelter she wasn't shipped took her to the vet she's all healthy so now her and our other cat millie are getting acclimated and our new cat sprout is really happy to have a home and that's it for our show this week be sure to check mostlyskateboarding.net for links and other show notes until then you can keep up with us online jason where can the people find you on Twitter at Carbonite1994, on Instagram at Frozen Carbonite, and writing stuff for quartersnacks.com. Got more stuff for uh, fourth quarter that I'm working on. Patrick, where can the people find you? You can find me on the internet. Um, I'm on all of those new platforms that nobody uses, like Blue Sky and such, and I don't even remember my names. But uh, on Twitter, under the handle at Colonel K Speaks, and on Instagram under the handle at Pikigongo and doing stuff with the Harold Hunter Foundation. Shout out to everybody who came to our fundraiser on September 28th. Maddie, where can the people find you on the internet? They can find me at Front Grinds on Instagram and Twitter. And we will see you guys next week. Later. Bye. Six in the morning, you can hear us start the show. Seven in the morning, she'll be calling the cab. Eight in the morning, talking about the pussy head. Nine in the morning, and she's just getting home. Talking about the overnight scenario. Scenario. Three in the morning, the pancake house. Four in the morning, we'll be rolling to my house. Five in the morning, the nights go well. Six in the morning, you can hear us start the show. Seven in the morning, she'll be calling the cab.